passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting, a very special edition of Rewind a Raw, where for the first hour it will be commercial free. Hello, Wei. I don't know if we can guarantee that, actually. We're not, actually. There <laughs> will probably be a commercial <laughs> in the first hour. <laughs> Gotta pay the bills. No, we do. We do. I mean, we're not, you know, listen, we're, we're not trying to compete with the NFL here. You know, we, we got no pressure on us. Yeah, I mean everyone. Everyone just flocks here after the the Monday Night Football <laughs> game. Anyway, this is a, this is the uh, the unofficial after show for everybody. That's How are it. you? I'm doing good, John. How are you? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing okay. Getting over okay. my uh, my my congestion. Had a rough day on Sunday. Mm. Survivor Series kicked my ass on Saturday night. I oh no! It took me forever to fall asleep, and then I woke up at three forty five in the morning, and yeah. I was just awake. <laughs> And I oh. barely slept. I had slept like 90 minutes and then was up until 7 a.m. Just like couldn't sleep. And then I, I, I was just a terrible day on Sunday. My, I, was, I could barely talk. My voice was all messed up and stuff. But anyway. You, you need to be sleep trained. You know, we got we to gotta get you on the same program that, my, uh, that Oscar's on. I would, uh, I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for it. it was, uh, my, my sleep is usually not that bad, but it was... Uh, yeah, it was just terrible over the weekend, and I'm just still battling this uh, this pseudo cold. That's it's just like lingering. I'm getting the sense that everybody, like with a kid in school, is oh. sick in the city. Oh, it's nonstop. We uh, yeah. like our family doctor told us like with with two young kids, you should be happy if you go two weeks uninterrupted where one of them isn't sick. It's like that's oh, that's a wonderful a stretch to to <laughs> aim for two whole weeks of being illness free it's just everybody is sick yeah anyway it's finally catching up to me i'm sorry I'm to hear that yeah i was you know what way i was i was feeling it but then i i saw that tweet or byron saxon announced a commercial free hour it's like you know what i'm ready i'm ready give me <laughs> give me give me a three hours commercial free make make raw four hours you cowards this show will make you feel better, okay? And, and if not, this podcast, I'm sure, will make you feel Way better. Way talking to you always makes me uh, feel, feel wonderful. Oh, didn't we say we were going to have some coquitos later? Maybe not if you're feeling unwell. You know what? Let's um, – Because I don't do, have it. <laughs> I don't have mine either, and I don't want to like, leave. You know what? Tomorrow. Honestly. Mine's frozen. At that. I think you have to take it out and let it like um, – Oh, un- really? It, it just all – I didn't realize it was this much work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Let's let's take them out at the start of Ask Away okay, on Tuesday, smart. okay? Yeah, and yeah, we will okay. make our way to them by the end of Ask Away, which is going to be happening Tuesday, and we will be live at 2 p.m. Eastern time for... You tell me. <laughs> All patrons. <laughs> there you go, yes. As I wrote in my update. Uh, so that is the plan. All patrons can listen or watch Ask Away Live Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't watch live, if you're watching soccer or something, then get lost. But you can also download it afterwards if you are a cafe member. So it'll be up Tuesday evening uh, to download. Are you following the World Cup at all? No, not at all. I mean, maybe a little bit just to, you know, for the novelty of seeing Canada uh, participate. Um, They scored one goal, at least. They have scored one goal in, what, two games? Something like that? I think so, yeah. So I was at Starbucks the other day, and a gentleman came in and sat at the table near me, hooked up his Wi-Fi to watch the game, and he just sat back and watched the game Mm -hmm. on Starbucks Wi-Fi. So I couldn't help but, like, watch it, and Canada's up one nothing. I was like, okay. And then it's like it's four to one by by the end of it all. But yeah. you know what? It's 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 a monumental feat that Canada is actually in uh, the World Cup itself. We really are the ricochet of the World Cup. I think we're just happy to be there. We've already won. You you, you have already won if you are uh, if you are Canada. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there you go. I'm watching actually that that FIFA series on on Netflix. I didn't know about it. FIFA Uncovered. Very, oh, very interesting documentary. What are you learning? Um, how uh, Qatar got the World Cup. It was through some... Uh, you, you should watch it. It's like a four-part series. I don't want to ruin it. Uh, okay. there, there's some corruption in FIFA way. That's that's your byline. I, I get the sense. Have you watched the, the Teddy Hart series yet? No, no. I haven't seen anyone talk about it, and I don't even know how to... I'm sure... I haven't looked for it online, but we don't even have it up here in Canada on a platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on Peacock, of course, in the U.S., but um, I'm sure there are means that you might be able to, you know, get get your hands on it. Um, I Can't say I'm going out of my way to find that one. No? Why not? Uh, it, it's not really – I'm not all that interested in seeing it. I mean, if I, I've literally, I've heard nobody talk about this documentary since it came out last week. Have you seen any of it? Um, Brayden and Davey, I think, have spoken about it. Um, okay. And I think they're in the middle of watching it, but I, I, I really haven't heard myself either. Um. It's interesting. I mean, it, it's an interesting topic. Obviously, um, I'm I'm at least curious to, to sample the first episode. Have they put all of the episodes out, or are they releasing them? I weekly? don't. Yeah, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Okay. Chat room, let us know. John Cino specifically, you could you could let us know. Cino also says Canada has been eliminated. So, are they out already? I, On points? I don't know. I guess oh, so. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, they had, they had a good run. Yeah, one goal. Yeah, we faced Belgium and Croatia. They did it in for us. Uh, I guess I don't know. This is a terrible sports podcast. Um, if that's I mean, what you came for, I mean we're we're not following. Cena says all three episodes are up. So okay, well there you go. Should we should we just let uh we, we can just go by the chat. Just just go by those comments. Um yeah okay. Well, what, what what's everyone else saying? Uh the Teddy Sam Banks says the Teddy Doc came on right after Raw on my TV. Oh interesting on TV they ran that on USA. I'd. Sam, give us an update. Did this run on... uh, This is just confusing when we're trying to, you know, let the chat room run the show. Okay. Let's start over. Let's start this whole thing over. Are we live? Yes, we are live. Making sure. Uh, Okay. Let's get into what is uh, coming up this week. Are you excited for Ask Away on Tuesday? Very much so. Yeah. A lot of questions this month, I think. 
Really? Okay. Well, uh, forum.postwrestling.com, we will answer almost any and all of your questions. Pretty much like 99.9% of the questions we answer. So if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe Patreon patron, you can get your questions up there. Uh, of course, though, if you're going to be a YouTube member, you can join us live and drop a question in the live chat as well. Tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Yes. On Wednesday, we will be doing Rewind to Dynamite. And then on Thursday... I'm looking forward to this way. We are going to be doing the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. It will be waiting. WH Park and getting the invite himself. I was going to play a song right now, but then I realized we might get flagged, so I'm not going to play that. Um, I have been listening to the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas soundtrack. Is that right? Yes. Yes. You really that So that tells me already that you you're you actually quite enjoyed this. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna show my hand. You gotta. You gotta tune into on Thursday to find out. But um, the perfect length. Okay, the perfect yeah. length. Yeah, really. Like you know, John. John really has um, not done one of these with us for a long time. These Marvel never, reviews. I'm, I'm never asked. You're. I mean, well, you're not watching the series. I know, right? Because you're a very busy man. But this was one that I feel like has been tailor made for you. First of all, it's a Christmas movie, and you're a Christmas movie expert. You know, I, Expert, I, I'm yes. sure. Uh, you love the Guardians of the Galaxy. That that's your like. Isn't that your favorite Marvel property? Probably. Yeah. No, you were you were uh, you, and you presented compelling evidence that I couldn't say no to. And it's 40 minutes. I know? mean, th- th- those three things right there. I mean, it's yeah. like I have I have no excuse. I can't mm-hmm. I can't get out of this one. I I look forward to it. I look forward to chatting with uh, both of you. So that's on Thursday. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special that is up on Disney Plus. Starring Kevin Bacon and Dave Bautista. Okay, that's that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Yeah. Then this weekend we've got uh, Rewind to SmackDown Friday night for patrons. Saturday live at nine p.m. Eastern time. The NWA podcast assembles Chris Ely, Andrew Thompson, and Nate Milton coming at you on a Saturday night right here. YouTube.com/slash Post Wrestling. Always a great time when the NWA podcast comes together. 9 p.m. Eastern is when they're scheduled to go live. So they'll be taking your questions and uh, live interactions with the, with the forum. Uh, a lot to catch up with with those guys. Yes. And then the whole week winds down with WrestleNomics Radio, your your Sunday tradition, and three post-wrestling cafe shows coming at you this week. Uh, $6 gets you in the door for all of our bonus content at the cafe, access to all of our archives, and yes, you can... Check out Ask Away Live, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Plus, we've got our Black Friday sale going on uh, for a couple more days. Store.postwrestling.com, 25%. That's a quarter, a quarter off of all shirts, including our heads split in two, sharing the same brain, myself and Wei Ting. You can grab a beautiful WrestleNomics t-shirt, the Four Pillars, the uh, the very popular shirt that has made its way onto television screens worldwide. The post-wrestling hat, as so adorned by the likes of Wei Ting, Benno, and uh, many, many more. Uh, a very, very popular hat. And that's just that's just a peek at it. The, the toque, very popular in my household. I wear this uh, all the time. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Don West. Okay. Okay. Just uh, showing everyone their deals. 25% off all t-shirts. Store.postwrestling.com. Are you ready for some news, Way? Let's get into it. You know, sometimes Way texts me during the day. He's like, I want to chat about the news now. I'm like, wait, you got to wait till tonight. You got to wait till we're recording. He's so excited <laughs> to talk about all these news items. 
We're going to start off with the Survivor Series press conference. Did you catch any of this? I did catch it, John. Yes. What did you think about? Uh, I, I was kind of dismissive of this press conference, but uh, I had to sit down actually watch it myself. Uh, what, what did you think? Just, this was uh, they did one of these at Clash at the Castle. I can't remember if they did one for Extreme Rules or not. But um, what have you thought now that we've seen a few of these WWE press conferences? Like this is actual media mixed with like some of the people from the bump that they have in there, Byron Saxton as mm-hmm. well. So what did you think just about the presentation itself of the press conference? You know, I feel like this year um, is, is the year where uh, the pro wrestling press conference has really kind of, you know, uh, become a, a bigger, big top. It really had a breakthrough year press conferences in professional wrestling, I think. So they really um, went to the next level this year, catered by Mindy's. That that's it, yeah. Um, and as usual, uh, I think there are a lot of growing pains anytime you try to mix real world settings with professional wrestling characters. It, 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 in the past, with both, I would maybe less so with AEW and more so with with the WWE instances of these sort of things. It's been a bit of an awkward combination of people who think that they're supposed to stay in character the entire time and people who just don't <laughs> feel that way. Um, in the Paul Levesque era, maybe we can kind of, you know, draw like a, a clear line of, of like what these are supposed to be. Uh, Paul Levesque, anytime he, you know, does one of these is very much just being Paul Levesque. And you can argue that like, you know, what is the on-screen Paul Levesque character these days anyway? He's essentially just a real person, still the same guy. Um, so you very much just kind of like, you know, get some good amount of information, I would say, from him. Some good sound bites. He talked about, uh, what is it, uh, you know, uh, reassessing war games. Hell in a Cell, um, Money in the Bank, you know, and, like, and, and just uh, match types um, rather than just kind of having them be um, mandatory pay-per-view only things, which I think most fans are probably happy to hear about. Um, but as far as like the actual wrestlers themselves, I felt like this time around in, in the cases of Sami Zayn, in the cases of, um, yeah, especially Sami Zayn, but also in the case of Becky Lynch, um, you you got out of character responses. Um Sammy was the one to kind of kick things off with Paul Heyman and they very much, I would say kind of played off of the question. If they sensed that the question was done in, you know, in character, like from somebody from the bump or I don't know, like media that might not be as uh, caring for out of character responses, then they would respond as if they were in character. If it was a question that was more about like, you know, how did you like the, the, the getting into the behind the scenes, you had Sami Zayn fresh off of the match on, on the pay-per-view, just kind of talk about how, um, talking about his character, you know, as, as the, as a performer. So I, I think it's, it continues to be, be a bit of an awkward mix, but I actually got like enjoyment and I got information and I got some real answers out of it. So I, I would say it was worthwhile. Yeah. I think by and large, you're going to see these and, and certainly like I, I witnessed this at the AEW one as well, specifically from the performers, not as much Paul Levesque and Tony Khan that are sort of in those kind of, um, authority roles, but for the performers, I feel they are going to default to, character based answers and that's why it's really incumbent on the questions to try and draw that out of them i don't think too many performers are adamantly opposed to responding like that but to them this is still a wwe setting this is still a this is going on the wwe youtube channel they are in character mode so i think you really have to draw that out of people um with the right questions and 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 
and sometimes they're they're going to be very resistant to that. But it seemed like th- this crop of of like a Sami Zayn or a Becky Lynch, um, you know, it it seems like it's it's really incumbent on what kind of question they're being asked of what direction they're going to go. If Becky's going to talk about rehearsing a spot versus mm-hmm. um, Bianca Belair called me and sent a jet for me to be the fifth member. Yeah. Like we got both of those answers. So it's it can be across the spectrum. It's almost like, you know, having a conversation about um, Santa Claus with children in the room uh, and adults in the room at the same time. And and, and you're somehow trying to, you know, um, hover between the two. Um, I I think, you know, the more experienced sort of veteran performers probably have a better ability to kind of transition between the two than maybe some somebody new um, that who doesn't necessarily necessarily know how to awkwardly transition, you know, between in character and out of character in front of the cameras. Um, But I I feel like, you know, as, as these press conferences go along, the veteran performers are going to sort excuse me, sort of late. (laughs) Wow. My voice. Well, I was going to add as well. One of, one of the participants that did not um, take part in the press conference was uh, Roman Reigns. And there was a story from Fightful Select on Monday um, that there had been some issue. Um, during a spot in the war games match with Kevin Owens, where I guess Roman Reigns was uh, kind of on his way to the back. He was, you know, letting his, uh, his anger be known. And uh, there was at least concern that he might've had an eardrum issue. And there was a follow-up from uh, the observer site that, you know, after 20 minutes, it was like a non-issue essentially. But um, that, that Roman Reigns was at least scheduled uh, for the press conference is what it sounds like. And going back to clash at the castle, I mean, he was one where he comes in and he's, eyeing the media and acknowledge me and then just left and, and and walked off. So, I mean, that was like, here was a guy that's, I mean, just finished a match. And I, I didn't think, I, I imagine for some of these performers, especially that have just been in the main event, this is not the most enticing uh, obligation that is on mm-hmm. their schedule when they've just finished a 40 minute match. Yeah. And again, we talked about this, I think uh, for, for the class of the castle press conference. I mean, these are very much, method actors these are people that are in character um or at least you know in the case of like a roman reign somebody who feels like he probably has to really get into character at all times and to just go right from the stage to the backstage area and be out of character it's it's certainly awkward um i get the sense like you know you're gonna have performers who prefer like the new japan pro wrestling sort of like uh, press conference style where you have media that are essentially kind of playing along asking questions and then guys being allowed to improvise as a character in there um it, it, it it's it's strange i don't know if i necessarily love just the concept it, it itself um but we're talking about it for this long so at, at least it's interesting yeah i mean j- just you know, it wasn't like too many notes from uh, Paul Levesque other than it was a very successful show um, from the, the ticket demand. It was the highest grossing Survivor Series of all time, uh, most viewed of all time, which I mean, this is the second year in a row on Peacock. And thus you have access to, um, you know, like over 15 million paid subs and 30 million with access to Peacock. So you're, you're talking about a, a larger pool now. Um, but the this was the largest gate ever for the company in Boston that that think about that statistic. I mean, that was, um, you know, a huge success for them in, in this market. And with, uh, when, the Sasha banks 
without a Sasha Banks, yes. And uh, and, and some people did note that there were some chants uh, during, oh, during yeah. the show, but they were I, I they were faint. I did not um, register them as I was watching the show. But. I had them pretty well during like the the Ronda Shotzi match, um, but I was expecting them during the War Games match, and they never occurred there. Uh, he, uh, Levesque was asked about the idea of getting away from a Hell in a Cell themed pay-per-view and as well the status of an Elimination Chamber, Money in the Bank, shows that are structured around a particular match type. And he did uh, differentiate those, stating that a Hell in a Cell is designed to be a giant blow-off, that a mm-hmm. feud should work towards that. Whereas a, an elimination chamber or money in the bank is not really a culmination of a feud. It's like it's the concept yeah. of itself and the it's participants. Like the yeah, it's much closer to the rumble than it is a hell in a cell. And I completely understand that um, that delineation. So, you know, he says we're always going to be assessing the calendar, but it does feel like hell in a cell will be when we have something that is ready for hell in a cell. Whereas elimination chamber and money in the bank, those those w- would seem to be m- matches that you know you're you're not building a feud towards a money in the bank it's sort of like it is that one that can just fall on the same date every year and you can work around that concept yeah absolutely you know hearing a response like this um made me really happy as a fan because it tells me that this is a person who understands i think the uh, creative implications of these sort of concepts and isn't just somebody thinking about the monetary value of the branding of a hell in a cell you know um or or just uh uh you know i mean even war games like i was actually kind of curious to hear him speak about war games too in the same vein as a hell in a cell where like he kind of suggested that it would he he might prefer to use it as a blow off rather than you know this sort of like annual thing that they might put on once a year um I'm I, at Paul, least the- Paul. Could we ever see War Games presented to you by Beyblade? Could it have a title sponsor <laughs> attached to the match? How about a Beyblade match? You know, um, as a special attraction on a PLE. But um, yeah, it tells me that this is a guy who ha- actually has respect for the, sort of the, the creativity of it, and I think it, the the money will follow because over the years, Hell in a Cell has just been such a watered down concept that it comes around once a year, and you're not feeling sort of that interest anymore. Uh, in some cases, it feels like it's been used to kick off a feud rather than than end it. So I hope, like he's done a great job of rehabbing to an extent these sort of secondary titles. Now he's probably going to you know try to do the same for some of these concepts. Yeah, and um, you know, and d- did state that they are not divorced from the idea of doing the traditional elimination matches, but. He was right. It was the right year to freshen up the concept and felt that Raw versus SmackDown was a bit tired. I I would say it's in a coma. So, yes, very tired. And, yeah, maybe the elimination matches will come back. I I cannot imagine a a clamoring for, oh, can we we have those traditional elimination matches? I I, I just, unless you are pure nostalgia based, like, I just don't know what kind of demand you would have for those matches that to me were never a big appeal to to me personally. I think they had had their purpose, like, at at a time when you rarely saw interactions between the main eventers. And, like, you know, the eliminations of people would somehow bring face, like, you know, two top stars face to face in the lead up to a WrestleMania main event in the future. But uh, those days are really long gone. And, and sort of the timing of a match like this, I mean, feels no different than something you would see on a Raw, like we saw today. I thought there was a chance today, actually, they'd make the OC versus, um, what is it, the Judgment Day, a Survivor Series el- el- elimination. I think for a TV special, it's, it's perfectly fine. But for a pay-per-view sort of headlining thing, I mean, the attraction's not there. 
let's stay with Survivor Series because um, it was noted by uh, Fightful that Brian Kendrick was working as a producer at the show on Saturday. And then PWInsider.com had a follow up that it was a tryout and apparently was not at the show on Monday night. Now, Brian Kendrick, um, that that's going to bring about a a range of reactions from people, given how he was, um, you know, utilized and then removed from AEW earlier this year when he was going to do that that match with John Moxley. And then um, a lot of people paid attention to interviews he had done in the past, uh, referencing conspiracy theories related to the Holocaust, to the Sandy Hook massacre. And and this ultimately um, led to his dismissal from AEW. And, you know, he came out with his uh, apology. He has addressed this uh, over the past year. Um, his former partner, Paul London, has also, you know, spoken about like his issues with Kendrick and that it, you know, he had heard him spouting off about this stuff in an incident that there were not cameras on him, that he had kind of positioned like he was doing this for shock value. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people are going to have, uh, listen, I, I'm somebody that I, I don't believe that, um, you should be banished for, for, for life, uh, for, for making a living. I also believe though in, um, you know, do, doing this kind of thing in public and then repenting in private. Like, I do feel like it needs, like, you offended a great number of people and, and you have to make sure that those that are offended are comfortable with you, um, reacclimating yourself into, uh, the industry. So again, this apparently was a tryout, but th- this will bring about like that discussion again and, and who you want necessarily in your locker room when, like, th- th- these are deplorable things to be, um, talking about it has severe consequences they should be condemned um at the same time i'm not looking for a guy that has to um lose an entire career um because of just senseless remarks uh made in the past yeah yeah as far as like repenting goes i mean i think we have to also um consider what what an appropriate form is for him to be able to to do that um he he had i believe the apology on twitter i think um I, I don't re- recall the content of, of the apology and how much he he specifically kind of spoke about those, like you know, in for instance, the the Holocaust comments or the Sandy Hook comments. Um, but like, as far as like a backstage role goes, um, it's a non-public facing role, and I feel um, for that reason, I I'm, I'm there will be as, less scrutiny of that yeah. than an than an on screen one. Like that's I'm just, not as critical. You know, like what we were presenting presented with in AEW was him potentially entering a storyline with John Moxley and Brian Danielson live on you know right in AEW television with with uh uh in front of people. And when you're trying to present a character for the audience's consumption, well, then the audience has absolute say in whether or not they want to see that person on their screen. Is he a viable money making product that you can sell? At that point, on that particular day, he was not. Um, and I, 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 but I also feel like he should not be ousted from the industry, you know. And so, like a backstage role like like this, I, I personally don't have a whole lot of, of issue with. But I'm also not part of the 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 group of people um, his comments were targeting. So I, I'd be most curious to to you know hear if he had any sort of uh, discussions with people that were working in the back that might've been personally offended with, with those words and what sort of forum w- would he be able to, to have to kind of get 
uh, if he if he feels any sort of remorse, you know, to get that message out there. Well, that that is what he would be facing, I think, is acceptance from those that he would have to be working with. And and in some like being there, um, their, their go between from the, the office to the performer in, mm-hmm. in, in a, if he is, in fact, coming in for a producer position and those that are, you know, th- th- those are the people that, you know, if if they want to hear an explanation from from him, I, I think he owes it to them if, the, you know, those comments you know you're you're gonna get called on that that kind of thing so anyway um we, we will see if this uh matures into an actual permanent position uh for brian kendrick but he was there uh on saturday this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet smart money podcast financial literacy can be daunting but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet smart money podcast Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Moving on to our next story, did you get to see any of Ricky Steamboat's comeback on Sunday? Um, no, this I was not. this was the big time wrestling show where Ricky Steamboat, at the age of sixty nine, had his first match in twelve years, teaming with FTR against Jay Lethal, Brock Anderson, and their mystery partner Nick Aldis, with Arn Anderson in the corner. So. Hmm. Um, we had uh, Joe Dombrowski and Shane Douglas on commentary, and Jay Lethal came out wearing Randy Savage's gear from WrestleMania three. So um, mm-hmm. ba- nice. very uh, apropos here. And uh, Steamboat, dude, for sixty nine, for a guy that um, over ten years ago had a brain aneurysm, um, he looked tremendous, and he did work with his shirt on, but looked like a like a fit sixty nine year old um, that didn't quite look his age, like looked. Um, you know, he, he looked like a, a guy that certainly that this, this was hardly prime Ricky Steamboat. Um, but they structured the match in a very smart way where Steamboat tagged in and he did what what he can manage. Like there was a headlock takeover by Jay and Steamboat's just selling. And when he hit the deep arm drag. Like, this place just went nuts for it. Like, they just thought it was the greatest thing. Like, he wasn't, you know, trying to skin the cat or any, like, high crosses off the top. They did the the spot from WrestleMania 3 where uh, he was lifted up for the slam and tried for the uh, the inside cradle uh, for a two-count on Aldis. And then the baby faces all put on simultaneous figure fours, and we got the triple tap, uh, 16-37. The match went... I, I Listen, for this... It was hardly the spotlight that Ric Flair had for his last match back in the summer. Um, this was nowhere near that level of success as a live event, and I'm sure on pay per view. But for for Ricky Steamboat, like if you watch this, like I did not think this guy embarrassed himself at all. It was you know well worked with the the six man uh, tag. I think that was the right way to go as opposed to a singles match. And I think that Ricky Steamboat would be really happy with what he did here for 16 and a half minutes. And this crowd really enjoyed this in North Carolina. Was it the type of performance that you felt was the first in a series? Um, I, I can certainly see that if he had um, offers after this, which I'm sure for some of these conventions he will get. I think just the fact that that Ric Flair show did so well, you're going to see a lot of these like, you know, legends that can come back and do something. 
would not surprise me if he tried something like this again. You're always kind of tempting fate when you're talking about a 69-year-old who has had his health issues. But, I mean, he came in here and I... Um, I, I'd be curious how he felt about the match afterwards because I, I thought it came off really well and they did a really nice post-match where Steamboat and Arn shook hands and then FTR got on the mic and they, they thanked Ricky and Arn for all they did to pave the way and then they got down on their knees bowing and, and then Ricky just gave like a message just thanking all the fans. So, I mean, it was like a nice show. If you came there for Ricky Steamboat, I think this was like a feel-good uh, match and not the kind where you're watching somebody and Ricky steamboat is going to bring a really high standard and the last thing you want to see is a guy who's a shell of himself but i don't think people were watching this expecting uh, ricky steamboat of 1989 they were here to watch a guy at 69 who had a fine fine accounting of himself can you see any national television company picking them up um to be quite honest i was surprised like that you know this here's ricky steamboat that that like this didn't happen on an AEW for just a a one night only thing. Like I'm sure he got a really great offer here to to do this, but I mean, just this was in front of you know I'm I'm guessing around a thousand fans or so, and it was you know just like this wasn't a huge show. There's also a great deal of risk, you know, when you're talking about somebody who's been who's 60 oh, who I'm, hasn't been on TV for a long time. You don't exactly know how he's going to look. The proof. Is sounds like at least it's there that he can at least you know put on yeah. a, a respectable performance. And after this, um, can you see an AEW or, or another company or even a WWE giving him a call? Uh, WWE, I would. You know, you you can never say never, but at, like after the brain aneurysm thing, like WWE, that like they did not want him doing anything, even when he was a trainer down at, down in Florida. Like they did not want, like they really have put their foot down with with a lot of the these older talents, even younger talents that have had serious health issues of not pushing that. I, I would say WWE, no. AEW, I, I wouldn't close the door on it. Um, but it, it also probably depends on kind of the the traction that this match got and if they feel like there's something to do. Like I would think in an AEW setting that uh, this kind of and they did the spot with Ricky Steamboat showing up on television uh, with Jericho, like they even teased something a few months ago. All this aside, I mean, this was basically an AEW match. It was. This was all AEW guys minus Nick Aldis. So this mm-hmm. was, you know, certainly something you could uh, replicate down the road, or at least have Ricky Steamboat. Maybe the the idea that we could make him a referee and do some level of physicality. It's yeah. it's still to me like it is tempting fate, and I think. You know, when you're watching Sting, it's like we marvel at this, but it's also like you're looking guys that are here. They are in their mid and in the case of Steamboat, late 60s that it's, you know, we, we know what the, the dangers are. And when these go off without a hitch, it, it it's a feel good moment. But there is always that that inherent risk, because if something went wrong, like it, it would be a really a nasty, you know, look for any promoter that green lights this but when it goes the other way it's kind of we 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 avoid that that kind of harsh reality that is a potential dynamite ratings from thanksgiving eve they did eight hundred and eighty thousand viewers a 0.32 in the demo so in terms of uh 18 to 49 this was their highest since october the 6th so they somewhat bucked the trend of this thanksgiving eve which traditionally has always hurt them this was the best they've ever done in the demo on thanksgiving eve they were sixth for the night on cable behind the world cup nba and college basketball and if you look at the breakdowns this was a case of the male viewership being up so much 
that it offset how much female viewership was down. And this was the case for 18 to 49, 18 to 34, and 35 to 49. Like women were like women 18 to 49, other than that Tuesday broadcast last month, it was their lowest amount of the year. Um, for men 18 to 49, it was their highest since September. So it was just a case of a lot of men watched this show and a lot of women tuned out from last week. So, uh, but there was more, uh, of an increase of the men than loss of the women. And that's pretty much, uh, the, the story of how things went on Wednesday. But this for Thanksgiving Eve, this was a very good number for dynamite higher than I anticipated it being. Okay. Um, SmackDown is going to be on FS1 this week due to the uh, the Pac-12 championship. And FS1 is airing a replay of SmackDown immediately after. So that means SmackDown, the replay, will go against Rampage on Friday Nightway. A oh, Friday no. night battle. A uh, replay versus... SmackDown uh, replay versus uh, taped Rampage. <laughs> uh, has this happened before? With a replay? No, yeah. I don't think so. I'm just kind of curious, like what what people may expect the uh, ratings to perform like. You know, like, what would be considered a success or like an embarrassment for AEW? You know? I mean, I'm not like we don't even have a lineup for Rampage, so it's it's kind of hard to even assume what what they're going to have on on Friday night. I mean, I'm I am not expect. First of all, I think we should just compare the the live SmackDown, which is going to do a much higher number than rampage i mean the replay is what the replay does but mm-hmm. you know there there was a time that this might have been competitive i don't think that this friday it, it will be like they're building up smackdown like there's going to be a big bloodline segment you've yeah. got the world cup so they have built up several things for friday moving on um being the elite aired on monday and the most notable thing on the show was that um, during their montage of the or their highlights of the second match with Death Triangle from last Wednesday, they did not include any of the CM Punk or Ace Steel uh, spots that they incorporated into the match. And they're sort of at the point where if they included the spots, that's the story. And if they exclude them, that's the story. So either way, mm-hmm. it was going to be focused upon. And I wonder if they just knew that going in. But they did not include any of that um, on the on the being the elite uh, show today. Um, I'm what sure. does it mean, Way? What does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't see him punk coming back. <laughs> it, it means whatever you want it to mean. They did uh, show a little bit of a uh, sort of like before the behind the curtain uh, little vignette, I suppose they kind of shot where they specifically talked about um, being heels tonight and they're going to cheat to win because this is a crowd that does not like them. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like you did hear uh, Matt and Nick talking like the day before in the airport that um, it might be a hostile crowd. Maybe not. It was almost as though they were unsure. And, you know, by by match time, they they certainly knew what direction things were going to be uh, going out there. So and, and that's how they kind of played things like they came out and it was a fairly mixed reaction, but they certainly elicited the the heel reaction. And it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if any of that carries over to this Wednesday show. Or if it's right back yeah. to the elite are beloved in Indianapolis. My question to you, though, do you expect any CM Punk chance on December 16th when SmackDown returns to Chicago? Interesting. Um, I mean, if, if where would they chant it? You know, like in traditionally, like the punk CM Punk chant has been a, a chant of sort of um, uh, rebellion uh, and, and a chant of uh 
dissatisfaction for what a WWE audience would be seeing on their screen. I don't know if the CM Punk chant represents that anymore. It's it's a chant of rebellion potentially now against AEW. So if you have a crowd who um, I don't see this happening, but if there's a crowd that you know per- perhaps uh, isn't isn't a fan of what they're watching on um, in front of them, or if they're not a fan of the elite, then you would chant CM Punk. The As only person I could see being met with those chants would be Reigns. Really? Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. If he, I, but I don't even know about that because I just don't see that much association with Reigns in Punk. And Reigns is actually quite beloved, like, you know, so I don't, I, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, final things here. Uh, Andrade posted some photos that he has recently undergone surgery for a torn pec. And he kind of implied that it happened uh, back in August and he continued working with it. And um, his last match was the casino ladder match at All Out. And then he's been gone since the Sammy Guevara incident, um, which he was scheduled to wrestle that night against Preston Vance. And then they canceled the match. So he was continuing uh, despite this injury. So uh, a torn pec, that's that's a pretty long-term injury to come back from. So, um, you know, Tony Khan was asked about the status of Andrade at the press conference and indicated that eventually he'll be back. But this would certainly add quite a while to that that timetable for Andrade. Yeah. Um I guess a lot of people had speculated, you know, the um what exactly had had gone on to cause his absence. And I don't know if this was a case where like the injury kind of conveniently occurred at the same time as, as all the controversy with Sammy, or if it was uh, the type of surgery that he, you know, decided to do now that he was putting off until a, an appropriate time. Um but I mean, it seems to to me indicate that he's not done. I guess it doesn't really say anything about whether or not he's done with AEW, but I, I wouldn't anticipate him to be at all. Yeah, I mean, this is a uh, you know you're 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 out of action, and you know take take care of your torn pec. So that's that's usually get get through the get through Thanksgiving, and then take care of the torn pec. It's a good uh, good rule. Yeah. Tuesday. NXT, they have announced that uh, Shawn Michaels will be joined by Road Dog, Medusa, Molly Holly, and Sean Waltman to announce the Iron Survivor participants. So um, I don't know what we, we need five people to announce all of these. Maybe they're all going to have envelopes and they'll reveal each name. Be I dramatic. guess so. Yeah. Maybe. Also announced is uh, Katana Chance, Caden Carter, Nikita Lyons against Toxic Attraction, Indy Hartwell against Roxanne Perez, and Fallon Henley against Katana James. And then Wednesday for Dynamite in Indianapolis, we have the third match between Death Triangle and the Elite. Sorry, hold on a second. We have two Katanas in NXT? Uh, Sorry, that was my mistake. Kiana James. It's Kiana James, not Katana. Yeah, Katana Chance and Kiana James. (laughs) Got it. And Caden Carter. We have a lot of K's. Those here. sound like Beyblade characters to me. It, whenever, like, I, I distinguish all the names, but when you've got to read them all together, like, I these know. are just like Caden Carter, Katana Chance, Fallon Henley, Katana, uh, K- Kiana James. Oh my <laughs> God. Okay. We got Road Dog, Brian James. They're either like Kiana Beyblade, James. Beyblade characters are Mortal Kombat, like, rejected characters. Here. Yes. And then Dynamite has Brian Danielson against Dax Harwood, Willow Nightingale against Anna JAS, MJF appears on the show, and Jade Cargill has her championship celebration uh, from regaining the title she never lost. The possession. Right. the Celebrating the possession of the TBS title. And that is all of your news, Way. I'm all caught up. Thank you so much, John. Yes. You should hear us do the dry run of this in the afternoon. We go through all of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the rehearsals paid off. 
Okay, Monday night, Raw was in uh, Norfolk, right? <laughs> I think so. If, um, I think so. The Norfolk scope. <laughs> it's not Norfolk. Sure. Norfolk. No. I don't give a Norfolk what it is. <sighs> Jesus, watch your mouth. So the first hour is commercial free. They did this back uh, the Raw after SummerSlam, uh, which did a very good first hour. So this should inevitably boost the number, but a, a lot more. Uh, what was the reason you think for today? I don't know. They were coming off uh, a pay per view. Like again, the last time they did this was SummerSlam, and maybe they just felt coming off a pay per view. You do this. I mean, it certainly does combat. It, it does boost the first hour, and mm-hmm. they did a very good first hour last week. And maybe they thought, you know. It's we're not pumping up the third hour. So let's get that first hour up to inflate the average. So and I'm sure that it's not going to do what the the post SummerSlam show did with Monday Night Football against it. But I'm sure it'll get a a bit of a boost. They Mm. weren't going against the most uh, um, intriguing Monday Night game either. So and also a picture in picture during the commercial breaks on USA, at least. Oh, okay, right. Mm -hmm. The bloodline showed up minus Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, and uh, they would be uh, coming out later. But starting off the show is Becky Lynch, who states that she is the man of the people. So she goes out into the crowd and acquaints herself with fans such as Bobby and Zachary. And uh, Bobby is so excited. He starts filming this on his phone. And then as Becky Lynch is like cutting a promo right next to him, you see him like what, down. What is, what is Bobby honestly thinking? You know, does he think he, no one's good? Like he'll never be able to re, relive this moment because no one's been will able will be capturing it. Like that, that's always so sad to see. You know, like this like guy's a, one a big cool moment. moment is happening and you're missing it out because you're trying to you're trying to capture it, but you're actually missing it. Yeah, I would love if WWE flagged his video too when he posts it. <laughs> they all have no memory of it except on his on his phone. <laughs> So she can't wait to slap the hell out of all the new people showing up here in the company. Bailey walks out and boy, Bailey was like limping out here. Either she was doing a tremendous job selling. I don't know, but she, she looked uh, the worst for wear coming out here and she calls the fans idiot peasants and mentions all the matches she has had ladder match, last woman standing war games and no appreciation. Becky says, that's cause you lose you. You're a loser. And Bobby tells Becky, go kick her butt. And then EO and Dakota Kai come down the aisleway in the crowd. They attack Becky. Bailey joins in and they fight up to the concourse into the merchandise stand, which was highlighted by Bailey using a money in the bank lunchbox as a weapon. And then they were all separated by security. And uh, that was our opening segment. Yeah, those things are, are serious. You know, you already been hit with the lunchbox. A lunchbox? Um, no, no, not a lunchbox. Not as I, a kid. When I was when I was in kindergarten, you know when you would play at the uh, the kitchen center, and you'd have those those pan, uh, you'd yeah. have like a little like metal pan or a plastic pan. I would hope plastic and not metal. Uh, some some of them are metal. Um, wow. I I took a pan, and I, I hit this guy in the head that tried to play with me on my first day of school. And whacked him in the head. Of course, yeah, of course. That was my first Doesn't day of school. Me. Yeah. Well, look how you turned out. So you know, still hope yeah. for. All the kids out there. We, we actually became good friends, and he was always short, so I always joked that I stunted his growth because I. <laughs> so anyway, goodness. Um. Anyway, I was a jerk, but uh, yeah, that's how the the show started. So, strong reactions, I thought. You know, for this first segment, and a strong return from a baby face Becky Lynch. No I, I, big time Bex. That is gone. 
Oh, completely gone. Yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed. I kind of liked all the fancy outfits and you know, like her her, her different hairstyles every single week. But um, I think you know, for for the sake of um, drawing a line between who she, the character she was and the character she is again, uh, probably necessary. I I I wonder, like, anytime they do one of these sort of segments, like how much screening of the crowd they actually do beforehand. How much? How much was? Is Bobby this guy's real name? You know, uh, like how much of this was was staged and how well, much if was you, if you like, like you, you would think that they had that part planned, but you could also notice, like when she asked a question, she didn't give them any time to like yell something. Lo- it was like right. the Zachary guy's like, "What's your name?" and then boom, pulls it mm-hmm. away. She was like, "Brother, loving him." Totally, yeah. So I could buy that a lot of this was completely organic or, or at least somewhat improvised. Um, it's just always a risk to me, you know, when you're going on live national television with members of the audience, they could be incredibly awkward. They might not, they might not even speak English or like, you know, it could be, it could go terribly wrong as we have seen them, uh, in the past when they've attempted things like these. So, but the, I think something that would probably made them a bit more confident is the fact that Becky is so beloved. I didn't think there was any danger of like an audience not playing along with whatever she was saying um perfectly exemplified here i felt i liked it it was something different to do the opening show promo than than the standard fare <laughs> yeah bailey is a strong first feud i think for becky you know it feels fresh surprisingly because i mean even though like i feel like i i might, must have seen every combination of the four horse women at this point um this there's a few singles a singles feud between becky and bailey somehow still feels incredibly fresh so i'm looking forward to it Rhea Ripley was out with Dominic and took on Mia Yim, Meechin. And Ripley is a, stomps her foot and hits a backbreaker, and she's beating on Yim. Yim then attacks, hits a spinning DDT, and Eat Defeat gets stopped. Riptide is countered with a DDT, and then Dominic gets on the apron, and she, uh, we see Yim like pull down the rope, sending Dominic into the ring, and then he's just cowering away from Mia Yim, and Ripley attacks from behind. Then AJ runs out. The match is thrown out in 7.05, and then all the members of the OC and Judgment Day come out. They get into a big brawl, and Styles issues the challenge. He says it ends tonight, four on four, and the Judgment Day agrees. So we get an impromptu eight-person tag uh, coming out of this singles match. I felt this could have been an opportunity for a Survivor Series elimination. But I mean, the other problem with the Survivor Series is that every single person has to take a pinfall. And they do not like doing that in this Paul Levesque regime. Okay, it's how can we finish the most amount of matches with the least amount of pins? Totally. And you you got that here. I mean, what you essentially got here was a Mia Yim Rhea Ripley singles match with an interlude of a four on four tag match in between. So Gallows and Priest, they're trading head kicks, and then Carl Anderson gets the big tag. Uh, eventually, Dominic is in and does the three amigos. Um, there's a inverted DDT by Styles, and Rhea breaks up the cover on Balor, uh, kicking AJ like in the face. Yim and uh, Ripley are then tagged in, and it's Yim with the cannonball and a suicide dive. Dominic prevents a magic killer onto Priest. So Priest hits the south of heaven onto Carl. Phenomenal forearm on Priest. And then Balor throws out AJ, and Yim lifts up Balor and scoop slams him. And the one intergender spot gets the biggest reaction here when uh, Yim slams Balor. But then goes for Dominic, so Rhea stops Yim and hits the Riptide, winning this in 14-24. And after the promise from AJ that this ends tonight, we have Kevin Patrick remark, something tells me this isn't the end. And Corey goes, I agree, Kevin. 
it might just be the beginning. It's like, what? Oh, man. <laughs> the beginning. How many more months of this? Damn. I, I, think, I think we could just call it a day at this point. Yes. So let's go our separate ways. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to extinguish this on a, on a, you know, TV show. I mean, they, they got to build up to something, you know, I think there's still life in this personally, like, especially when it comes to, um, uh, Rhea Ripley and, and, and Dominic, I still feel like they're, they're pretty hot right now. And maybe you can get by with, with a whole lot more, uh, interactions with the rest of them. Um, yeah, good intergender eight man tag. I, I found the Gallows and Anderson's portions kind of um, painfully average, but also necessary. They, they, they got a they got to brace themselves. They got a long flight coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh, that is true. They yeah. got to head over to Sendai. That's right. Yeah. Once AJ got in there, and especially when Rhea and Mia got involved, the crowd really got into this, and the finish with everybody I thought was was a lot of fun here. I thought Rhea's heel charisma was really strong. You know, uh, on, on both on Saturday and also throughout the whole whole day, uh, whole whole Raw, uh, I should say, her presence has feel, felt really really big, and I think her inning style looks really good. She to me is the best part of Judgment Day, and I think they're easily going to transition that into a strong. Uh, single speed with Bianca Belair. Yeah, I, I would say Rhea Ripley is probably one of your favorites to win the Rumble in January. Yeah, totally. Saxton is with the returning Street Profits who have been gone since September. And they recap all of the changes that have gone down. Alpha Academy walk in. They hate their catchphrase and requested a match with the Street Profits. And Gable says that they're going to put Montez Ford on the shelf for good, which sets up Dawkins calling Gable an elf on the shelf. Mm. Short. We have a big grudge match coming up. The bloodline come out. Uh, Jay says his hand might be broken for real after war games. And there are no cracks in the bloodline. And Sammy Zayn says that, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy took him in from day one. And Jay, your embrace after war games, that was Usi. And says that they are now on the same page. Jay gives them a big hug. Then they invite Jimmy. And then they want a group hug with Solo. This was the funniest thing on the show. And Solo just stares at them. And you don't know what he's going to do. And then Kevin Owens' music interrupts. This was great. I love this. Yeah. Um, I I love that Solo didn't immediately rush to hug. Um, I did not want him to do it either. Oh, no. That's no. not the character. And it shows you that they actually have a lot of care for keeping Solo sort of like, you know, um, important and, and like his individual rather than just kind of being another part of this. Like they're crafting individual identities and giving individual spotlight to every single member. And you can write sort of, you know, this character trait about Solo Sokoa. Um, he just, you know, he's great. Sammy. I I felt continued to like get into that real emotional kind of heart of his character here that makes him so incredibly likable. You know, like for weeks and weeks and weeks, he's really just kind of been funny and that's why we love him. But now he's digging into like something that is just, you know, respectable about him. And that's his incredible loyalty. And, and I think, um, I don't know, like, um, earnestness to just kind of feel a belonging as, as a part of this family. Well, Owen says he understands why Sammy did what he did at War Games. Like, yeah, you guys were on opposite teams. He says, I've done the exact same thing to you in our career. I'm not mad, and our careers have been linked together for 20 years, but now 
I'm just done with you. I don't want to tag with you. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't even want to ride with you. And there was this look on Zane's face. And he just looks so sad at this realization. But then he says, well, I feel the same way. And I don't need you because I have my family now. And I mean, th- this to me is just the payoff to this down the road will be fantastic. Like this, yeah. this segment I feel will be referenced many a time. Totally. And, and Owen says that he wants everyone to see how great Sammy is because I've known it for 20 years and it doesn't matter how much they call you family. You're not their real blood and you never will be. So Jay says he's mad because you don't have any family around you. And if you have a problem with Sammy, you've got a problem with main event Jay Uso. So Owen says, I might be done with Sammy, but I'm not done with you, Jay. And I'll kick your ass any day of the week. And we set up the match for later on in the show. Great segment. Lives up to, I think, the very high standards this entire cast has been setting on these shows. I love that, like, for the most part, like almost all the segments involving them, none of them feel like they're throwaway and none of them feel like they're insignificant. And it's not just because they're very well performed. The content kind of leaves you with a significant development in the storyline every single time. Here, you got the continued bonding of Sammy with the bloodline and specifically Jey Uso. We got to see what a happy, non-pissed-off Jey Uso finally looks like. You know, there's harmony within the group. Everybody is happy. Jey loves Sami Zayn. And then you get the further erosion of Sami's relationship with Kevin Owens. I thought Owens sort of... um portrayal was really interesting here he could have come out and just kind of played your stereotypical pissed off guy who whose friend turned on him came out here and just started attacking instead he came out sort of calling out the hypocrisy of baby faces who do who do that especially especially if it was him because he's turned on Sami Zayn so many times um but the direction that he takes in not wanting anything to do with Sami is arguably way more hurtful than any sort of single attack would have been tonight. You know, he hates you so much. He's not even going to talk to you anymore. Okay. And that, that, that in many ways um, is a lot more disappointing than, you know, like a, like a big beat down or something. Yeah. I mean, it really hits home. The fact that they're on separate brands. (laughs) I don't think that matters at all. They'll never see each other. How are they riding together? Um, I, I can't explain. Okay. No. Backstage, Candice LeRae is back after five weeks away since her attack by damage control. And as she's walking down the hallway, we see Nikki Cross peeking out from behind the equipment. And it never led to anything, and it wasn't referenced, but she was just hiding in the back. I don't know if this was meant to signify anything. I mean, you would think, yeah, maybe a Nikki Cross, um, Candace feud down the road. But I, I also maybe sense that she just kind of lives like she's a lurker in the corners. Yeah. And Candace cuts a promo that she's going to take out Dakota Kai. And it's Candace LeRae who she's sick of being uh, nice and walking on eggshells. She's here to kick someone's ass. And it's Dakota Kai tonight. Mm-hmm. Next segment, Saxon was with Riddle and Elias. Elias says he's a solo artist, but they are good as a duo. Riddle wants to win the tag titles. So the bloodline walk in and state Elias will never win gold. So Elias challenges them and the Usos say anytime, any place. It's that easy to get a tag title shot. And maybe Riddle and Elias are going to be the ones to unseat the Usos way. 
Hey, man, if the New Day can't do it, um, you know, maybe it's the Riddle and Elias era. It could be very possible. This was their whole involvement on the show. So that was it. That's the match next week on Raw. So the Usos on Raw. I mean, technically, they are like Raw champions. So there is that excuse. The Street Profits and Alpha Academy, very good match that they had here. Um, I thought Dawkins and Ford were were just great in this match. Uh, Gable was his usual self, and you know Otis always you know plays a role well here. Um, Dawkins just hit, um, you know he's trading arm drags with Gable, and then the Profits hit double Topecon Heroes to set up the commercial break. They attack Ford's knee, and then Ford stops the American Automatic hitting a DDT to Gable. Dawkins and Gable are in, and there's a. Uh, Jumping reverse elbow from Dawkins hits the silencer, but then is stopped with a dragon screw and an American automatic. Dawkins kicks out and then Ford slams Otis after multiple tries. Dawkins then lands a strike, spine buster, and sets up Ford to hit from the heavens, pinning Gable in 12 minutes and two seconds. Very enjoyable tag team match. Yeah, very good return match, I would say, for the Profits. Kind of picking up right where they left off with a great... Dawkins hot tags, which is something he's kind of been known for lately. Very impressive athleticism from Ford, who looks like he's continuing to get a little bit, you know, more muscular, but still just as agile and uh, impressive physical feat here. You know, body slamming Otis. Um, I hope this run from the profits will lead to some interesting story. Unfortunately, they much like a lot of the tag teams in the WWE are kind of like caught up in the mix where if they're not feuding with the Usos, they don't really have much going on. You know, you have the Usos who have both tag team championships right right now and the profits who have already lost to them. You know, they're just kind of like the new day. So how are they going to make them interesting um, without belts to chase? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an issue that they have in several of their divisions where it's like if you're not in the title program, it's like you don't need a title to still have a compelling story around, but it's it's something they, they struggle with. So um, and they've got a lot of bodies now on on the roster to try and uh, cater to as well. But, um, you know, it's it's a great match every time out when you've got. You know, whether it's uh, Alpha Academy with Riddle and Elias or the Street Profits, and it's just kind of having some more substance uh, beyond just your title program. Austin Theory comes out and asks, who's the kid now? Everyone said it was the worst cash in ever and that I was stupid. But who looks stupid now? This was his whole plan, way. Blow the cash in. And then Bobby Lashley will spear Rollins and I will land on top. This was the whole plan. Well, he had us. Yeah. Did it. He says he beat Rollins and Lashley at the same time. I'm no longer the next. I'm the now. And he is the face of Raw. Everyone is jealous of me. The Austin Theory era begins now. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that he no longer wants to be called a kid. Um, I feel like he would probably also um, appreciate not having a Beyblade commercial uh, be his Titantron either. You're not going to let that one rest. <laughs> Come on. This is like the most, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Out comes Seth Rollins with no commercial inventory. He tells him to shut his mouth, let the fans sing. So they hum his theme. And Theory interrupts saying that he makes Seth feel like a thing of the past. Rollins says that he lucked his way into the title. Monday nights belong to me. Congratulations, kid. 
in this upsets theory and he dares theory to hit him, but theory will face him, but on his time. So he walks out. They're trying to give a very serious edge now to Austin theory. Uh, they've eliminated the phone and really seem to be mm-hmm. going full, full throttle with uh, theory at this point. And uh, this probably is another TV match because we have a long time before we have another pay-per-view. I think this entire like sort of money in the bank um, character transition into like the current Austin theory has been a really like bold attempt. And I would say like, it's been successful, you know, like they took something that clearly was destined to not work in Austin theory, holding the money in the bank briefcase. And they, you know, their, their, their idea was to somehow get from that to Austin theory being a viable, serious U S title champion. Um, and in, in having him lose the money in the bank the way they did, I mean, they were probably expecting him to look like a real joke, but it took, I think, a very strong performance from Austin Theory in, in his voice and shedding things like the sel- the selfies and all that to convince the audience that he's now got to be taken seriously. I think he's done that. I think the promos have been strong enough and his confidence now has been strong enough that I certainly look at him in a different light than what he was before. Um, in-ring to me, like he's still... He's keeping up, but I think he's still yet to really stand out. Um, certainly not to the level of a Bobby Bobby Lashley nor Seth Rollins right now. So to me, the 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 test is still ongoing. He's certainly on a better track now with the with this direction. Um, but there, there's still to me a ways to go with with with, with this character. Saxton is with the Miz, who's got his bag of money. He tries to get out of the match with Loomis with an injured hand. Adam Pierce calls bullshit, and Miz threatens legal action. But the match is happening. Anything goes. Dexter Loomis versus the Miz, where if Loomis wins, he gets the money, he gets a contract, and if the Miz wins, what happens? Does Loomis leave? Um. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what he gets. Yeah. Exactly. Dexter Loomis returned to WWE on August the 8th. This is what this has all been built towards way. Three and a half months. Yeah. It's a, uh, well, it's, it's long-term booking, I guess it, to me. It, it was also, it's also one of the cases of like Lebec just kind of really getting hungry for like a big re-debut every single week without a really concrete plan of where this thing was supposed to end. Would you say that um, of the returns that they have gotten more out of Dexter Loomis than carrying cross? Um, define more because I would hardly say that I'm more interested in Dexter. No, um, I'm not that interested in carrying cross either. But in, you know, in terms carrying- of who is going to come in and have weekly television time, yeah. I mean, like, like Loomis is on TV every week. He's got this program attached to him. It's like of all the comebacks, like he has gotten not the most focused, but among them. But Karrion Cross has been in more high-profile matches, and I think with with the the shot that they were attempting with Cross, they were trying to make a main eventer right away. Whereas I think Loomis is always going to be destined to be this sort of you know mid card spooky act. Well, Pierce comes out. He grabs the bag of money away from the Miz, uh, so the match begins after they brawl on the floor. Loomis pops up when the bell rings and he bashes Miz's head into the uh, the LED screen on the side of the ring. The crowd, of course, is chanting for tables. Miz then gets tossed off the desk after attempting a skull crushing finale. And then Miz uses a vice grip around the head of Dexter Loomis. And, and, and for people who didn't watch, not a wrestling move. OK, a literal. No, vice. literally a vice <laughs> like that. You have to kind of tighten with the like a screw. Like the type you would see in 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 a work uh, like you know a, a wood shop, 
It was a hilarious visual. So it was it Goodfellas from- that they used this in? Are they, uh, I don't they, put, they put a dude's head in and yeah, just, uh, Joe Pesci just, uh, well, <laughs> had more success than the Miz did. With it was this. quite the visual coming back from commercial break, seeing a, a human being <laughs> with a vice on his head. And Loomis no sells this. <laughs> and then they go into the crowd. Miz is thrown into a TV monitor and then onto the table where Loomis elbow drops him through the table. They go back to the ring. The turnbuckle gets pulled off, and Loomis misses Miz running into the exposed buckle. Miz uses the rope for leverage. Loomis still kicks out, and then he catches Miz in a head and arm choke. Miz submits in 957. So after all of this, Loomis gets his contract, and then he starts handing out money to the crowd. He's like uh, it's like Hogan and Beefcake at uh, WrestleMania 9 here. Um very selective in choosing kids who he gave these $100 bills to. And then uh, the Miz attacks him from behind, steals back the money, and then grabs a $100 bill from one of the kids, which was a great spot. Uh, and it leads to Johnny Gargano super kicking Miz, taking the money, and handing the $100 bill back to the kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, always, you know, always uh, good professional wrestling TV when you can mess with the. Um uh, the disappointment of children. <laughs> this is um, uh, this is what happened at that Raw at Skydome the uh, in 1999. The, the, you remember Russell Oliver, the Cash Man, mm-hmm. and he came and he just started throwing money at people, and he came right up to us. And dude, I'm not kidding. He had just a stack, dude, a stack of bills, and I ended up, me and my buddy, like we got like 120 bucks between us. And what? We were, wow. And we were both like. How, dude, how big th- were the bills? Dude, there were like 20s. There were 50s. And he's just throwing wow. them out. And we're both thinking the same thing. It's like, we better spend this because this might be counterfeit. <laughs> Let's just spend it. <laughs> and we like went and like bought a shirt or something. And my, my buddy got like 100. I got like 30. But it was just wow. like cash that they were throwing out. It's crazy. Really is the cash man. You didn't even have to exchange your gold. I didn't have to do anything. Like they had wow. done a promotion where it's like make a cash man sign and he'll give you money, but he just tossed it out to anybody. It's like you didn't have to have a sign. Oh goodness! Wow. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just saying of, you can walk out of a, a show ahead and make your money back. Well, that's kind of far more compelling than um, I would say my reactions to the bulk of this uh, Miz versus Dexter Loomis thing. Um, all I, I could say is that after all this time, like at least you would think like there would be a heated match at the end of it. And it was just like, it was nothing to me. I mean, again, the fact that this never made it onto pay-per-view and the fact that I don't think they ever considered putting it even on the undercard of a pay-per-view tells you that they probably don't view this as any sort of like real heated uh, money. <laughs> uh, this is a money making way. <laughs> yeah. It's it was a money giving match. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this um, money, this match lost money. It is. It is what it is. And that's mid card comedy that I, almost get the sense is is more for children you know the people that were that, that were the target uh recipients of, of I, I didn't hear kids like laughing uproariously at the vice grip or anything I, I don't know if this was that appealing to any age group i i don't either i mean you know I, i'm not watching with children so i can't really tell you um but clearly like it, it it's very slapsticky you have the miz kind of playing a very cartoonish villain dexter loomis for a spooky character is sort of like a kid's version of a bray wyatt i suppose um, you had Corey Graves working overtime to kind of try to sell us at like Dexter Loomis being this very supernatural 
being in. I mean, on the same, like if this was on a main event or something like that, I don't know, like the TV show main event, then I think you can get away with it with it sequestered, like on a different show, but on the same program as like, you know, a, a Bray Wyatt, um, it's, it's hard for me to like find this any, any scary at all. But then again, maybe I'm not the target demo. I just thought this didn't have a lot of creative ideas to it. Like these are two wacky characters that at least for the blow off match, I thought they could have had a lot of fun with. And I just never felt like they, you didn't like the vice on the head. I mean, I guess. Sure. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, we look at this of like the amount of time, like they aired the video package for this and it was just like months of angles. And this, this was the, the big, the big climax. It was just, uh, to me, like, uh, unfortunate um, that, like, Johnny Gargano was somehow injected into this when I think he had something really hot going with Kevin Owens. Maybe in, like, sort of an alternate timeline, he might have been a member of the War Games team, you know, and, and we'd probably be talking about him a, a whole lot differently. I mean, there is still the Tommaso Ciampa attachment to the Miz that I have to think that they will follow up with, with Johnny Gargano on the other side. Um, so maybe we have that to look forward to, but for the time being, um, this is my lasting image of this feud. Oh, that's, that's perfect. I will be, uh, using that later. So <laughs> he signs the contract and now whatever you do with uh, Dexter Loomis, I guess maybe someone, I don't know. maybe he's going to be Gargano's like a uh, buddy. It, he really would be a prime candidate for the 24 seven division. Like he would be a, be a prime opponent for an R-Truth in the 24 seven division. Go find that trash can or, or the floor that was next to that. That was underneath the trash can. Right. Dakota Kai against the returning Candace LeRae, Bailey and sky get thrown out to the back and graves notes how Candace would rather be at home watching bluey with her child. We got a bluey reference on raw. Whoa. Damn. You just wait way in about 18 months. You're going to be all about bluey. Oh, we're, we're, we're already starting to familiarize ourselves. Yeah. For the love of God, if there's anything I can tell you, mm-hmm. the day Oscar ever asks you about the Wiggles, you just say no. No. No Wiggles yeah. in this house. I don't think we okay. get that in, in, in this house is what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> just it is um, like I feel it is doing things to my brain. Really? I hear it all day. It's just like I'm in. No, no. Bizarro world all day. listening to the like I, I have dreams about these songs. I hear them so much. It is just, just stop, just don't do the wiggles. Just avoid the wiggles way. I'm through, I'm going through set the second run of the wiggles. Wow. Uh oh. I just, Thank I'm ready to advice. move on. I'm literally talking to my daughter about like, there's other stuff we can put on anything. <laughs> no wiggles, wiggles. And she knows how to use the remote now. So she, she, I put something else on for her and she goes back and turns on the wiggles. Have you tried like maybe playing, like playing the wiggles? like visually, but then turning the sound off and playing like other music and trying to convince her that it's the wiggles. Would that work? Um, I will try that. I will try that. She's, <laughs> she's in this kick right now where we, she, you know, you know, that, uh, dance mix 94, uh, she listens to that song. I like to move it. Oh yeah. Wow. Really? She loves this song. She, That's loves a- it. she asks wow. us to play it at dinner like every night. I don't know if that's uh, any better than the Wiggles. I'll take that a hundred <laughs> times over the Wiggles. Any, I will take any music over the How Wiggles. How did she get anything. exposed to that? I mean, we play a lot of stuff, and she she latches on to what 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 she likes. It's, okay, she's got quite a quite a vast array of musical inspiration, hmm. led by the Wiggles. 
Kai is in control. LeRae then lands a drop kick. We see some Kawada kicks from Kai. And then Candice lifts her up for, uh, I, it was not identified as such, but on the, uh, back when Candice was on the independence and working with men, this was the balls plex that she delivered. Ooh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Specifically, um, I guess inspired by her tag team partner. Um, well, they did not identify it as such in, in this match. Mm-hmm. They, will, they will have to come up with a name for that. Loray then comes off the turnbuckle, uh, misses with a cabrata, and then hits the wild ride, the spinning neckbreaker off the second turnbuckle, and pins Dakota Kai in 12 minutes and 26 seconds. So um, I'm judging by you know your recap that um, you did not get this in picture in picture um, because this was a very unique start. They started this match during commercial break. I on Sportsnet 360 they don't air a picture in picture. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. um I I had to watch this because my sports center was not working. So I had to catch this through other means. And that means I caught the USA feed and you know, they had Dakota Kai simply walk out and then they cut the commercial break and in the picture picture you see Candace run in, she's attacking uh Dakota mid ring, and you see like them go through the whole thing with the referee checking on Dakota, asking her if she's willing to start the match, and then they actually start the match. They did all of this in the body of the commercial and for international viewers, they would have missed this entirely. So this was something that I felt was, was quite unique for, um, for raw. Um, very rare that they do something like that. Yeah. 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 But, um, I thought it was a very effective match in trying to convey a more intense and aggressive side of Candace LeRae. She's somebody who, again, much like Dexter Loomis made her shocking debut and then was just kind of left, you know, um, forgotten about uh she she made a return here and i think she needed to make a big big statement it was with the match that caught people's attention and i thought this was that type of match she was very aggressive i thought it was uh you know pretty constantly um interesting in terms of activity uh i thought it brought the best out of dakota kai as well who also i think needed one of these sort of uh big big uh matches they got a lot of time and i thought the reactions from the crowd were really strong too so it feels like overall in this show like we're kind of it, it, we're almost i'm almost getting the sense we're moving on from from damage control like sort of dominating the division and all the baby faces now are kind of getting their their shot, spots to shine yeah, I mean you're you're watching this and you're seeing like SmackDown where they're kind of low on opponents for for Ronda and you see here on Raw where you have a couple of baby faces emerging but you also have a baby face champion um you know I think you could do a lot worse than like a Candice LeRae to at least hold over Ronda during this stretch until you're getting into you know Rumble Mania season um which they can always do they're going to have to do quite a bit of work to convince, you know, people that Candice LeRae has a shot of like beating Ronda. Well, that that's a, a struggle in and of itself, but I'm just talking about people that can at least work with Ronda and uh could, you know, be in kind of that that veteran role that I, mm. I think you you want to have her paired with. Kathy Kelly spoke with Belair, Oscar and Bliss, and Belair talked about the uh, the injuries coming out of War Games. She's done with Bailey and they couldn't keep Becky out uh, out of action for that long. So damage controls plans backfired. She's proud of her team and bliss is not paying attention to any of this. She's off in her own world and she has asked her thoughts and she just comes to and says, yeah, Becky was a great call. So certainly something they're hinting here with Alexa bliss that she is not on board with Bel Air. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess they needed a baby face for the war games team. So we're, we're delaying the Alexa bliss sort of focus and likely turn um, until afterwards it's after the war games. We can actually give Alexa bliss something now to make her feel like less of a generic baby face. Um, 
you would think maybe from the direction of this sort of character that it's it's probably something Bray Wyatt related. You know, they have dropped very subtle hints um, in the past. So I'm guessing that's maybe where we're going to end up. And the main event, Kevin Owens and Jay Uso, who went over 20 minutes. We had Zane and Jimmy in the corner and Kevin Owens, no family in his corner. Um, after the break, Owens lands on the knees of Jay, attempting a swanton, and Jay works the back, hitting a backbreaker. And for the rest of this match, Owens is favoring his back. Um, from there, he hits a fisherman buster, lands a frog splash, but then Jay attacks him with super kicks, can only get a two count. The Samoan drop and stunner both blocked, and then Owens catches a kick, landing his own super kick, and he goes for the pop-up powerbomb, but his back gives out, so Jay hits another super kick. Owens once again kicks out, and then... Owens takes out Jimmy with a super kick. Sokoa trips Owens on the apron, which sets up Owens laying on the mat. And the Uso splash misses, allowing Owens to recover, stunner, and pins Jay in 20 minutes and 55 seconds. And this was one of those count three. And within 30 seconds, we were off the air. They went right down to the buzzer here. Yeah, yeah, this was a very, well, I mean, that one hour of a commercial free raw, I don't know, maybe that, that kind of screwed them over with timing, uh, perhaps, but, um, really excellent match. You know, it, 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 it's the type of match that reminds you how, of course, very good Kevin Owens is, but how great Jay Uso is as a singles wrestler as well. I thought he was tremendous here. Great body part work from the both of them. Jay selling his hand, Owens selling his back. Um, I thought Owens, you know, was a was a decent challenger for Reigns. Certainly, like maybe I don't know the the most viable you could you could point to in 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 a, in a long time. Um, but still, like it was going to be really difficult for me to see him as that hot of a challenger, especially when we're so close to WrestleMania now. But I thought this match did really well in trying to elevate my excitement for Kevin Owens as a challenger. It it they made you believe that Owens is strong enough to take on the entire rest of the bloodline by himself. He'd be Jey Uso here with everybody else ringside. And that leaves, you know, the pathway for him to challenge um Roman Reigns. So and and it's a great direction because now you you continue the thread with Sami Zayn where Sami Zayn might still be a little bit torn with his feelings for Kevin Owens while having to support his boss, of course. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of interesting ways of how you can weave in Owens and Zayn over the next little while and yeah, the idea of those two at some point coming together. So I think they set up a lot uh, between War Games and tonight um, with that great segment. I thought it was really uh, strong stuff uh, overall involving what what is your main storyline, regardless of uh, Raw or SmackDown at this point. So, yeah, it was it was a very lengthy edition of Raw, uh, certainly yeah. that uh, that first hour. I mean. I enjoy those commercial breaks. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I kind of like having those. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I would say it was it was the bloodline stuff that really uh, kept the show going. Uh, I enjoyed the Street Profits and Alpha Academy. I thought that was strong. I like the direction with uh, Candice LeRae that they're taking. Um, you know, kind of similar. They're, they're trying to give more of an edge now to both LeRae, to Austin Theory. And, you know, they, they have got um, now Becky Lynch back in the mix. So th- there's more, I think, uh, of an array of... You know, we, we were really seeing like a very thin roster on Raw, and that's kind of filling itself out. And mm-hmm. if that means pulling some people from Friday, so be it. I mean, that's 
It's yeah. a three-hour show. This is the show that need, does not need to be thin uh, when you've got a, a roster on the other brand. Yeah, especially if it's the Bloodline and, and Kevin Owens, you know, and Sami Zayn, uh, like the, the, the one of the hottest, most well-done programs they've had in a long, long time. I mean, I do worry about like the overexposure of of that entire thing if you get to see it monday and a friday but Mm -hmm. i think coming off of war games it was like good timing for it um i i felt like this was a good first chapter in a new volume following war games war games felt like a a big reset you're you're done with a lot of these feuds and now it's time to kind of finally give the push to a lot of your characters like a candace larray um street profits you know who who are seem to be getting a bit of a restart becky lynch as well you know starting something new here with uh bailey so it felt like a fresh edition of raw and it also to me like you watch tonight's show and it may it it made Survivor Series and the War Games, they felt important. Like, tonight's show was all the the consequences of what happened on Saturday. It's not just, okay, now we're moving on to the next show. It was, like, it was an important show on Saturday, and here is all the changes that have happened. And if you missed it, like, this was an important show for storyline implications, for uh, di- different programs wrapping up, or... Uh, different turns as well. So they, they really made war games feel important on, on raw, the aftermath of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we will be opening things up now to your feedback. If you want to get in a super chat with uh, any questions, you are welcome to. And we also have our, our forum feedback as well. We don't have much of it, John. We have one piece of feedback at forum.postwrestling.com and it comes to us from Muggin. And I could read this, John. He says it was a worthwhile raw. The commercial free first hour was strong in getting the Becky versus damage control feud off and running. The Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens showed some serious growth in his promo over Sammy's action. And he got to look like a world beater by overcoming the numbers game in the main event. Candice versus Dakota was a strong match, despite the first segment being unaired um, in Canada. We should say the Loomis Miz story ended the way it should. And Miz snatching the C note from that kid with some DiBiase style healing. I hope now that Johnny Gargano can move on to something more substantial. Big ups to the commentary for putting over the danger of war games as everyone involved sold it effectively. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. As we noted, I thought they did a very good job in, in that regard. So thank you very much, Muggin. And there you go. That was raw in the books. Um, Eight more until the Royal Rumble. That's a long time to fill. Yeah, Isn't it's it? uh, 24 hours of Raw. Hmm. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Especially if any of them are commercial free over these next uh, nine <laughs> weeks. We will find out. Uh, but we will be commercial free on Ask Away Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. All Post Wrestling Cafe members uh, can tune in live and uh, you can submit your questions during the show if you're watching live or submit them in the thread at forum.postwrestling.com. Uh, do you predict that I will have a voice on Tuesday? I mean, we'll see if these coquitos have any sort of a healing proper properties, you know? Boy, I don't know. The coquitos might might end my voice as as it feels though right now. But thanks everybody for joining John, John us. John will type all his responses and uh, we'll get a computer to read them. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll need a voice box. Yeah, sure. Kind of sounds like I have that. a voice box right now. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in live or downloading the show. Or missing the show. We, we thank those people too. Can, can I say one thing? Okay. So, oh, yeah. Way, I know that you have seen uh, some of my, my painstaking timestamps that I have oh. added on the YouTube. It takes some time I to see. do that. I know. So, today, I saw that somebody left us a review stating, you know, they love the show, 
But can you please add the timestamps to the audio description as well? And my reason for not doing this is because they don't sync up. They're different times. Totally. So because of this, he gave us a four-star review instead of a five. I was like, man, that's that to hmm. me, that was a low blow. Then maybe we shouldn't do timestamps at all, okay? Oh, I'm going to take the Kevin Owens approach. I'm not going to talk to you at all. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to tag with you. I don't want to have a match with you. I will not timestamp it at all, Man, okay? Way is, uh, Way is putting his foot down. I'm not doing a second uh, set of timestamps. That is where I put my foot down. I'm not going to take them away from people, but come on. That was, uh, I felt that was just a little unnecessary to like deduct a whole star for. It's okay. Correct. Corrected everybody. Okay. That's it for us. Good night.